talk, talking crime, cases, and backing the blue. Now, here are your hosts, Ed Mamet and Kevin Schroeder. Hello, everyone. My name is Kevin Schroeder, retired detective from NYPD. This is Welcome to Cop Talk, and I'm here with my co-host, retired detective, Captain Ed Mamet. Good afternoon, everyone. I'm glad to be here with Evan and our guest. Today, our topic is going to be, we're going to speak about suicides in law enforcement. Unfortunately, there's been too many. I know recently with the NYPD, we've had two suicides in the last two months, I believe. So we're going to be speaking about suicide. Ed? Well, suicide among police officers seems to be a great problem. It seems to be that there are more now than before. And the reasons we need to find out why, I attribute quite a bit of them to the stress of police work that has taken place since the George Floyd case, where cops being disrespected, they're being attacked. And what's interesting, also down at the border, I heard on the news recently that some border patrol, there's quite a few border patrol suicides because they're burned out. They're upset about the work they're doing. They're not really doing the work they were supposed to do. They're babysitting for these uh, migrants. So police suicide is not unique to the New York City Police Department. I believe it's a problem nationwide and maybe even worldwide. It seems to be an occupational hazard. Am I correct? You're correct. You're correct. And I believe I agree with you. On that note, today's guest is a retired police officer from NYPD, Robin Canary Otto. I hope I said that correctly. And she's with the Post Tour Processing, Talk to Me Post Tour, TTMPT. Welcome, Robin. Kevin, Ed, thank you for having me on the show. It's a great honor to be here, sitting with heroes amongst heroes. Talk to Me Post Tour was developed approximately six years ago by myself and two colleagues that I met in the NYPD's Early Intervention Unit. We formed a 501c3 nonprofit to address I guess the gap in services in programs that are offered to officers, we provided what we developed to approximately 80 departments across the nation. We showed it to them and we said to them, we would love to come back if we could fund. So we developed this virtual platform. It's completely anonymous and it's the only anonymous program that exists for law enforcement because all of the programs, you could see who you're talking to, or you get the name of the person that you're talking to. So our program trains peers to facilitate sessions in a platform, and the platform requires security. Each officer gets a unique security credential, which they have forever, and they could come into sessions any day they choose to, to rewind their roll call or to talk about anything in their life that's stressful. Thank you, Robin. I mean, Robin, you know, we have a popper out there. And now what is the difference between your foundation as well as popper? So we will never have enough resources in the law enforcement community. Papa offers a program that's wonderful. They offer officers an opportunity to come in and to meet with them anywhere. And they offer them referrals and counseling and mental health services, as do we. We offer those services, too. So in Talk to Me, when the officers are in our virtual platform, if they're talking about something that's really more than the group of officers that they're with, their peers, 
could manage or could provide support for, then we have a chat box where a second peer provides them with a phone number to call into. We have a phone number that they can call into at that time. And they're given a therapist who's on call to speak with them and provide them then with a referral to a therapist or a doctor that could help them. You mentioned that you have about 80 departments involved. That's nationwide. So we took it and showed it to 80 departments. We're self-funded and we can't continue to provide it. So right now we are currently giving out credential cards, security cards to NYPD officers and we're offering them the full program. In other words, they'll come in with the security credential, they'll answer questions, and they'll be placed in a group that best suits them. And they'll fill out an exit survey for us, we hope. We have no idea who comes in, but we do know that they're law enforcement because now we're using security credentials. Can you name some of the departments that you've contacted throughout yeah. the country? So we contacted the Capitol Police in Washington a few years ago. We contacted departments in Minnesota, the FBI, the Pentagon. It was provided to many departments. Phil Shotman is our director of peer training, and Phil goes out and provides them with information about our program whenever he's out in the field doing his work with peer teams. And Sheriff Timothy Whitcomb, our sheriff, really went on a crusade to help officers and prevent law enforcement suicide. He provided it to many departments and made them aware of it. Tim Whitcomb had a sheriff. He was an undersheriff at the time. And the sheriff called him and said, I'm going to commit suicide. And he did, unfortunately. So Tim went on a crusade to make everyone aware of services and learn, you know, to the law enforcement community. I mentioned before the Border Patrol. Have you reached out to them? So um, some time ago, we did reach out to the Border Patrol. We never met with them or provided the program to them, but that's one of the things on our list this calendar year. Well, maybe it's time to do it again because, as I said, I heard on the news that a higher number have been committed suicide. So, you know, they, yes. they, they could use your services. Also, I'd like to ask you, in your experience, what is the leading cause of suicide among police officers? The reasons behind their suicides? So that's a great question. You know, there are a couple of factors. The quick means available to them, many die by their own hand, unfortunately, contributes to that. But in terms of why they commit suicide, you know, people take in events and they store them in their mind. And your mind is kind of like a bucket. It could hold just enough, you know, and then eventually it spills over and things happen. So sometimes officers handle events that are traumatic and they never have had an opportunity to process them out. So that in accordance with other stressors in their life, like relationships and finances, and it's cumulative, really, when somebody feels that there's no other way out and there's not, no support available to them. Cops really struggle with asking for help. You know, they, it's not who they are by nature. They're heroes. They take care of everyone. So Tim Whitcomb has a great saying, protect and serve those who protect and serve. And we're doing our best to at that goal. Kevin, you're on our board and you understand the value in what we're doing. Because if people could come forward and access our program and come into these virtual sessions, they learn that the camaraderie in our community 
they're really not alone and they could ask for anything. Cops want to help cops. That's who they are by nature. Robin, you mentioned cards before for the NYPD. What about other agencies outside New York? Yes. So as I said, I think before, we're self-funded. So, you know, it's very difficult for us to pay for the security cards, the technology costs, um, the support staff. We're all volunteers, but there are some essential costs associated with the program. So the farther we grow it and the more resources that we provide, like the cards, the more it costs. And currently we are trying to fundraise to pay for things like that. Now, do you have any fundraisers planned? I mean, how are you going to raise the money? What's your plan? So we have a couple of things. The first thing is that we have a website. It's ttmpt.com. And there's a donation button on that website. So we're grateful for anybody who would donate anything to us. Besides that, we have an upcoming small cocktail party. I think it's February 17th. They could write to us and we'd send information about that. We have an email address of R-C-A-N-N-A-R-I-A-T-O at ttmpt.com that they can write to. And we will have a gala sometime in November and we could provide information in the future about that or it'll be on our website. Great. Thank you, Robin. You do great work and I hope we get the message out there, you know, to everyone listening in our audience throughout the nation, law enforcement personnel as well as their families. And Captain? Well, I had a long career in the New York City Police Department. I did 40 years. And when I came in, there were no psychological services. Years later, maybe 15 or 20 years after I came, the department started to recognize that police officers do have problems like everybody else. And as you said before, cops are reluctant to talk about their own problems because basically, you know, they had this macho mentality. And when I became a captain, I started to see problems among some of the police officers under my command. They wouldn't talk about it. And I made them talk about it. It's wonderful. Because I, I could tell by the work performance. Most of my time was with detectives. And you could tell by when some very good detective, when their work was falling off, there was something wrong. And I would compel them to discuss their personal life with me. And they would open up and they would tell me they were having problems with the child. They were having marital problems. They were having uh, other problems for your parents. And that was very important. Once they realized that I was being sympathetic and I would work with them. Actually, if they needed time off, I'd give them time off. I was very open. And it's very important for people in supervisory positions to allow the people under them to express themselves and encourage them. It's, it's essential. But as you said, you noticed a change in them. And I think that's key because whether the change is in how much energy they have or what they come in dress like or what their mood is like, what the shift in them is, if they begin to isolate a little bit or if they begin to give things away, there are different things that give you indications, but you cared enough to become involved in their life. Myself and the other two people that developed this program, we were the first peers in the early intervention unit in the NYPD, a couple of the first peers. And we went on this crusade to really decrease suicide in the department when we were there. We went out to roll calls. We gave talks. We encouraged people to come forward to bring their partners in, if not for themselves, but for their partner, because the numbers were really high and we were able to drive them down pretty significantly. So cops will accept help. They're reluctant to, but they will accept help from each other 
and from people that they feel safe accepting it from. The problem I found is that even if the police officers wanted help, they were afraid that once they went to psych services, the word would get out. Even though psych services says it's confidential, and there's nothing secret in the police department, <laughs> in any department, whether it's a department the size of New York or a small department. I guess the small department's even more difficult. Exactly. And so that reluctance is very hard to overcome. Because they feel if they go and the word gets out, the next thing you know, their gun is going to be taken away. They're going to be put on modified assignment and their career is going to be screwed up. That's the problem I always saw. You're right. They don't want their duty status changed. So basically, you know, early intervention found a way way back then to have a line organization referral. Somebody would come forward saying that the union encouraged them or, you know, a department support organization. And there really weren't records kept back then, and they were allowed some time to take care of themselves, and they were put in the hands of a clinician, or some of them went to rehab, actually, and they were able to get well. But the beauty about what we've developed is that it's completely anonymous, and you, ideally, when it runs at full scale someday, you would not know if you were talking to a cop from Pittsburgh, Hawaii, New York, you know, it's like a shuffled deck of cards. You have no idea who's where. So the broader it is, the more beautiful it is in that they would be able to help each other nationwide. And there's no stigma attached because it's a freestanding organization. And it's one that there's real empathy. We've all walked in each other's shoes. So the peers that they have facilitating these sessions are all either active or retired law enforcement officers. You mentioned before early intervention. For those that are not familiar with the term can you explain to the listening audience what you mean by early intervention and how it works? Sure. I visited there recently, so it was really nice to see it in modern times. Previously, when the unit began, it was a lot of outreach. It was, you know, a group of cops, sergeants, captain, lieutenant, and we would go out and do some outreach, just talk at roll calls and at trainings and encourage cops to come in before things became too difficult come in and, you know, identify what your needs are. Let us help you in any way that we may be able to. Let us give you referrals, resources. We tried to provide anything we could. You know, there were cops who came in and talked about how they had a loss in their life and finances were upside down. And, you know, there was a relief fund somewhere in the building. And when they had a real catastrophic need, they could apply for mattresses, like for their kids or for clothing. It depends on what it was that they were coming in for. Some supportive services for kids with special needs. And so early intervention was like the listening ear that they trusted. And we provided them with resources to clinicians and whatever they may have needed. About the New York City Police Department. Yes, the NYPD's early intervention unit. And currently, there's a deputy inspector in wellness, Mark Wachter. He's got support dogs for the offices. They go around to precincts and, you know, it's a way to relieve stress. We just met with Commissioner Lisa White and Inspector Wachter from the NYPD, and they care really compassionately about officer wellness. They go in and even teach them healthy lifestyles, you know, how to eat healthy. The old adage about the cop eating the donut is no more. <laughs> the cop is eating an apple in a protein bar, which is great. <laughs> you know. Robin, can you let everyone know that website again, please? 
Thank you, Kevin. And Ed, thank you. I'm so grateful for this opportunity. It's ttmpt.com. ttmpt.com. Correct? Correct. Okay. Robin, thank you so much for being our guest today on Cop Talk. And we look forward to speaking with you again. And we look forward to attending your fundraiser and help you in any way we can because, uh, unfortunately, suicide is a big problem right now in law enforcement. There's a pandemic out there, and we've got to address it. Absolutely. Robin Canary Otto, thank you so much. Kevin, thank you. Ed, thank you. May God bless you both. Thank you. Thank you.